Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a while Hello and welcome to the dork forest It's me, Jackie Cation You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com If you like a determiner You can donate to the show using PayPal or Venmo. You go to the websites, you find out where I'm doing stand-up comedy. Rangers of the Dork Forest, I love you dearly, and thank you so much. Feel free to go to Apple, rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and wrote that song that you just heard, and he will be singing at the end, the Mexican hat dance. Uh, Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio and video, and we thank all the stars for that. Let's get into the show. Well, hello, I'm Jackie Cation, and I'm in my garage. With me here on the Dork Forest this week, returning guest, a guy who helped me understand cricket for almost an hour and a half after he told me how it went, (laughs) Will Anderson from Sydney, Australia, right now. You're wearing your L.A. hat. I'm wearing my hat from Australia. Welcome back to the show, Will Anderson. It is very true that I am sitting in Sydney, Australia, wearing a an LA Dodgers baseball cap as you sit in LA <laughs> wearing a Hawthorne Hawks AFL <laughs> cap. But it That's is very right. appropriate. And thank you for having me back, by the way. I love like I mean, I loved doing the podcast last time. I still have people you know, contact me based on that very episode that we did together. And also, this will be embarrassing for you on your very own podcast. And of course, everybody should know this already. But your album that you released after the, uh, like, you know, the quarantine, the the pandemic uh, staycation is, I believe, like, you know, everybody else came out of the you know, the pandemic a little rusty, I think, and not knowing what they were doing. You might have been the only person who came out better. Like that album has what? just so many good jokes on it. Like uh, it's I, so many good jokes. Like I just am like, how did you develop all those? Well, I know how you developed them because you still did Zoom shows and you actually worked during that yes. period. But that album is just so great i would love to stop you but i can't uh because uh, it's i'm psyched that you liked it so much thank you so much i appreciate that there's so you're a many great lines yeah. in it that i quote all the time like there's just joke like there's some wordplay and some references and just like yeah. oh yeah it's, it's really That's- beautifully detailed that album Thank you so much. And I am still doing some of that that material because it's been a slow coming back into it. You know, I have probably a half an hour new material, but some of those jokes I still love enough to still keep doing them. I'm planning on coming to Australia next end of March, April. And uh, so don't listen to Staycation. No, listen to Staycation and be happy (laughs) that uh, you can hear it twice. And then you can hear whatever. Well, I would say, honestly, there are some – because I have revisited that album a lot. I got quite obsessed during during the pandemic and post-pandemic. There's something that I don't particularly love about this filmed (sighs) – special you know even though i've done them myself you know the film special era of stand-up comedy that we're in like there's something i love seeing comedy in a room i'm a big comedy fan you know i'm a fan of comedians and the way that they do their craft but there's something about the film tv special that just actually sucks a little of the magic away from me you're not 
Hard agree. And then what? the album, on the yes. other hand. Better. And the right size crowd. Sometimes sometimes you can enjoy a joke in the way that it's meant to be delivered, not in the way that it's being delivered to like a thousand people in a big right. theatre. Like those finer details, those word plays, those nuances, the icing on the cake, that they actually come across better in a comedy album. And I love the pace and timing of a comedy album. It's I, I have always said this. The best way to see stand-up comedy is live. Mm. And if you can't see it live, album. If you yeah. can't see an album, special, clips, TV, this type of thing. Worst way to see a stand-up mm. comedy set? Uh, as a character in an episode of Law and Order, yeah, that's about to that's about to be murdered. <laughs> like third remove <laughs> is the worst because nobody's and I always say that because nobody's willing to give up their A material to go sit in the middle of you know a TV movie or a, a movie punchline or not for Law and Order, but for SVU I probably would have if Ooh. Mariska Hargitay had got on the phone and said. Um, much I need you want to burn. I'd be like, right. okay. I All mean, right. you're not going to get me to do an hour before they murder me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do I get to, I, as long as I get to be on the show and the residuals are still coming in. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they took some of the, now this is, this is getting into strike territory, but if they took like the video of the couple of comics that have done like law and order and, and castle and bones and NCIS, there's always an episode. I don't know if you know this about American television. Mm. We like to go to new Orleans third season. And uh, we also uh, <laughs> like yeah. to- around season three executives are like, you know what this show needs to be hot and sweaty. <laughs> I feel it. Let's, there's got to be a voodoo, a culturally super <laughs> yeah. sensitive uh, voodoo episode. That's right. We've got three do vo- we've got three great voodoo scripts that we cannot do in New York. <laughs> right. Let's dash off to uh, the, the part of the lot that looks yeah. sort of like uh, New Orleans. Uh, though I will say Miss Fisher's murder mystery, uh, the Australian TV show. Uh, that third season, they she dashed off to the Voodoo Quarter of Melbourne. So uh, that, yeah, New yeah. Orleans. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She'll she'll go to the circus. She'll she'll do what everybody does <laughs> in, a, in a in a TV show. <laughs> She's like, how can I? Somehow take this into a theater. Anyway, uh, so uh, you're going to co- hopefully come to this part of the world early next year. And how long has it been since you've been in Australia? Uh, It had to have been, I think, 2015. And I came for a wedding in Sydney. Right. And then, so Andy came with my husband and, uh, and then we took a week and we went up to the Whitsundays Mm. and, um, you know, went to go look. Go look at a go look at a coral, and uh, so that's yeah. what we did. We we like to refer to it as our closing down sale for the barrier <laughs> reef. So get in; it's a very compelling offer. See it before climate change destroys it completely. <laughs> yeah, tick tock on yeah. the clock. Yeah, uh, I I will say that I did do the Melbourne Road Show in I think it was yep. two thousand five or six or whatever, and we went up to Cairns and then we went over to Perth, and somewhere around Perth, there's another barrier reef Mm. that is uh don't tell anyone it turns out uh the animals are like hey don't mention it we're trying to live our lives over here and uh so but we did get to go there 
uh, uh, as the Melbourne Comedy Festival roadshow. I mean, that is the general advantage that uh, Western Australia has in Australia is that it's far away from everything else. <laughs> so, yeah, it's quite a fuss to get over there for things. So. It is a bit of a fuss. <laughs> Hilariously, I was on some uh, some panel show hmm. and I did nine weeks of the roadshow. I think it was the last year they let anyone do all nine weeks because uh, by the end of it, uh, I was holding on by a thread here. And uh, But the... Uh, um, I was on some a panel show, and so this is 10, 15 years ago, right? 12 years ago. And uh, nine weeks later, a child recognized me on the streets of Perth. Mm. <laughs> Remember when there were four channels? <laughs> well, in Australia, it wasn't that long ago. So. No, no, it was 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The kid right. was like, weren't you just on the telly? And I was like, sort yeah. of. Why do you know? And he's like, there's nothing else to watch, lady. And uh, so uh, we've already... Uh, this is great. I want to do your podcast where we talk philosophical things. It's called Willosophy, and it's W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y. And uh, TOFOP, I've done it a couple of times, super fun, T-O-F-O-P.com. And Will Anderson, uh, a great comic. You guys find him, follow him. He's not there, but his people are. So uh, <laughs> they're posting They're posting jokes, I'm sure. Reels, yeah, I'm sure they get getting on it. I don't know yeah. what they do, but I, I trust them. The cricket episode still yes. gets literally st people still email me about it. So because it was fascinating, I didn't know what cricket was. I had heard it referenced and that was all there was. You're going to do a different sport this time as a, as a dorkdom. One that I actually fell in love with when I was in Australia, which is Australian rules football, um, AFL. And uh, this is how I fell in love with it. I read a, uh, a children's series, Australian children's series called Specky McGee. Yep. Written by Gary Lyon, I believe. Yes. Why do Former you? Former AFL footballer Gary Lyon, Melbourne okay. Demons legend Gary Lyon. And oh, that's why you know. Still football media host <laughs> Gary Lyon. Oh, that guy's still working? Okay. So famous that this is a weird cricket crossover, but in our cricket team, our number one spin bowler, uh, you know, who has been for, you know, the last hundred tests. His name is Nathan Lyon, but his nickname is Gary because of <laughs> Gary Lyon, the author of the Specky movie. His Mubi nickname yeah. is Gary. That has got to burn. That has got to burn for Nick. So if there's anyone at this point is already thinking, oh, this has got way too complex for me, I'm going to talk to you about the game of Australian rules football. If anyone thought that the cricket episode was <laughs> – <laughs> a little <laughs> confusing, then strap yourself in because, Jackie, the one thing that you have to understand to truly understand Australian rules football is that you cannot understand Australian <laughs> rules football, right? It is, it is one of the least definable games in the entire world. It is constantly evolving. It starts – on a fee an oval field, it is played with an oval ball, and that oval ball is very much a metaphor for how the game itself is played because the ball can bounce in any direction at any time. Because people uh, have to dribble it. Well, <laughs> people – okay, so well, I don't even know where to start with this. Right, because okay, yeah. Whenever somebody imagines – when I've talked to people from overseas in particular about Australian rules football, they immediately think – that perhaps I'm talking about rugby 
or rugby union a mm-hmm. rugby league um, or soccer <laughs> <laughs> or any of these other games that are not the game of Australian rules football. The closest there is worldwide and it is not that close is probably <laughs> the game of Gaelic football that some people would have heard of, which is the Irish version of their football. There is a, a slight similarity between the two games. Here's how I could tell the difference yeah. between AFL, which is not – it is Australian rules football, but for some reason, yep. the initials AFL are AFL. Is the, well, the Austra- is the we'll league, get into right? that, but that the Australian yeah. Football League is the league. The, right. the game is called Australian rules football, but everybody calls it uh, AFL or footy. Okay. Yes. 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 And if the, the Australian rules football game, uh, the players sleeveless. Yes. Rugby sleeves. Literally, the only way I could when I first started watching it, the only way I could tell it apart. I mean, so. we don't need to go into it, but rugby, soccer, like rugby union, uh, American football, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, they are all games that are played on grids. You know, everybody runs in a line. Two yeah. opposing teams have their own lines. Soccer has the offside rule that o- operates as a line. So right. the ball is constantly, you can kind of tell where everybody is at every time and it is normally opposing teams going across a grid. Those okay. That's how most of those ball sports are played, right? Right, right. Australian rules football has no offside rule. Australian rules football is a 360-degree game. It is played on an oval. It is 18 players aside that are on the field with three to four interchange depending on when it's in its history. So there is 18 players. They can play on any part of the ground at any time and you can be attacked and tackled in order to get the ball at any time from any direction. Uh, The ball is oval. The... Yes. So like it is not played on a grid. So just to give people a sense of – and if you're already thinking this is confusing, I keep pausing because I realised I was about to go into something that would make it even more confusing. Well, okay. So do you know where it came from? So, well – Besides kill the guy with the ball? Like it feels like it started with kill the guy with the ball. It (laughs) was – There's a a few theories. There is no 100% accepted – uh, surprise, surprise, uh, the white guy got most of the credit, but, uh, <laughs> when people Shocking. have looked, when people have looked back historically, there might be more of a, you know, traditional Australian influence in how the game was put together. So there is actually some disputed origins around exactly what the story of it is, but in the mid 1800s, um, a guy called Tom Wills, the more widely accepted story is a guy called Tom Wills, uh, who was an Australian who was looking for something to keep cricketers fit during the off-season. Okay. Of so yep. they were looking to invent a sport. He had actually, Tom Wills, gone to the rugby school, which is named the rugby school. The game rugby is named rugby because That's... it was invented at the rugby school. Right, right. This guy went to that school where that game was invented and he decided he wanted to invent a game of his own. So in in Australia, he In the middle 1800s. Game. Well, that guy's name, yeah. Tom, it was Tom Wills? Tom Wills. Not, not Tom Brown? All right. Uh, <laughs> so rugby, but, huh? Uh, coincidentally, there was also a game called Marn Grook, which is the tradition, a game that traditional Australians play that there is, you know, Indigenous Australians, I mean by yeah. that, First First Nations people of so uh, our country. And there is absolutely an influence of the way that they played their sport 
that has been adopted into the game. And uh, there is about 10 to 13% of Indigenous players on the lists of current day Australian rules football teams. And okay. there is uh, Indigenous Australians are about 3 to 4% of the population. So oh. so that's yeah. like a quite a high level of, you know, per yeah. capita. And it's one of the pathways for Indigenous people in Australia out of, you know, some of the disadvantage they have has been through sport, as it is often in many oh my gosh. cultures, where, right? Where else have I seen that? Yes. Hello, United yeah. States. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's very true, and they've added so much to the history of the game, and the game has got much better at acknowledging and embracing that. There is now an Indigenous round in the game. The players, this is actually really fantastic because there's also still – a lot of racism and a lot of historical bad treatment and like all the things that come with, you know, these Being things. Being human and the slow yeah. slow boat that is civilization, yes. But, tr- but they also, you know, there's a thing that I absolutely love, which is a highlight of it, which is they have this thing called Sir John Nichols Round, which is a, a great Indigenous Australian, and uh, it goes for a couple of rounds and all the teams – you know how in sports a team will have an alternate jersey for away games or clash yeah. games with another team? So they all have these traditional – if anyone's ever seen like, you know, Indigenous painting or art, you'll yes. know the style that I'm talking about. So all the jumpers, the the jerseys, the uniforms of the teams, they all wear these, you know, First Nations designed art style. Like oh, cool. Out, and it it's brilliant. They have this – what we call it a welcome to country or an acknowledgement of country where a traditional elder will come out and sort of, you know, there'll be a ceremony. And it's, it's really like it's one of the best things that the game actually does well. And the, ju- right. the jumpers are all, always designed by somebody who often by a player who actually oh. plays for the club or a relative of theirs or like there'll be a connection to the story and the story yeah. will be reflected through the uniform. So th- they're doing some great things and there's also – Unfortunately, you know, still the things that they, they struggle with oh, as well. Yeah, sure. It turns out it's professional um, hitting, so uh, right. it enc- it encourages uh, off 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 camera hitting is what it encourages. So, sometimes. Wh- what's yeah. the best way to start explaining something like this? Like, what okay. are you? What? Yes, you okay. ask me. So, what we've learned so far about the game mm. is that it's an oval. The ball yes. is oval. There's no offsides. No. And so, the first thing we should talk about, I think, is just basic scoring. I know there's yes. four gold points. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- this is where, this is where we just start to get kooky in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it just you're like, what is Feels going on arbitrary. here? Arbitrary. What the heck? It's definitely arbitrary. All sport <laughs> is arbitrary. We have to remember this. True that. It's one of the things I love about the game. If you are a person who likes sport because there's a set of rules that you follow and that gives you certainty, this is not the sport for you. <laughs> this is about the myriad complexities uh, and accurate – like there is no other sport in the world where so many of the rules are open to interpretation of the umpire in the moment. <laughs> like, it's just like, what's your vibe? What's the gist of that? You wow. Know, so yeah. We'll get to some of that. But yeah. uh, so basically the imperative is that the teams – so there's four posts at either end. In between the p- two posts in the middle, that is a goal if you can kick it through that. Not just any way of getting it through will work. You have to kick it between okay. those posts without it being touched at any stage by anybody else. So it has to be an unimpeded kick 
through clean. the goals, clean. Just whiff. All yes. right. To kick, the, the, if you do that, you score six points. Why six? six? Who knows? Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the good news. Unlike most other games in the world where you either score or you don't, guess what? There's a little what? supplementary prize. <laughs> it turns out <laughs> that if you miss the main goal but you get like, you know, in between the other two posts that we've happily provided on the outside, <laughs> that's more like, yeah, look, you get a you get one point because you one had point. a go. It's a participation <laughs> medal, you know. <laughs> look, you had a crack, you got close, you can't have the six, right. but one, you can have one. The two big posts, yeah. you get it through clean. That means yeah. it doesn't touch, touch the pole either, right? It's or not allowed to touches- touch the post. No. Okay. And if it touches, so-, so everything else is one point. So yep. if it touches another player and goes through, that's one point. If it comes off your hand and goes through, that's one point. If it bounces off the, if it touches the post, doesn't need to go through the po- touching the post enough, that is one point. If it goes okay. through the one point, that is one point. Okay. So it's, uh, it's only clean, you get six. Every yeah. other way that you get through any of those other three Four. places. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Right. There's there's a tall pole, short mm. pole, one point. Yeah. Two tall poles, but it touches something, one point. Tall pole, short pole, one point. Got it. <laughs> I'm caught up. Okay. That's pretty good. You actually right. simplified that quite well. So, All right. So yeah, we know how to score. So, now, yes. Here's my next question. Yes. How do you pass? Right. So this is where, okay. So traditionally there's only two ways to do it. So you don't have to pass backwards like in some sports where they run in lines. You are able to go in whatever direction you want. You can pass forward, backwards, sidewards. um, (laughs) Throw it up into the sky and hope. I mean sometimes that is actually what happens. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, So the game commences by the umpire like bounces the ball in the middle of the ground, right? So <laughs> the, the oval ball. The oval just ball. Bam. As hard as he I mean, it does can. seem does seem like something that would not work all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. You'd be right. So okay. we've kept that in the game. This thing that just <laughs> <laughs> like this is if you ever want to know anything about AFL, like often there has been a movement throughout the history of it to get rid of the bounce because and they have to because they used to bounce it everywhere on the ground when there was a you know ball up like there was in basketball they used to bounce it oh, okay. eventually it only became after a goal in the middle of the ground we kept it more traditional but it's okay. hard to do and <laughs> umpires like were going out of the game with bad backs and stuff from doing this thing that you know they don't really <laughs> need to do for the rest of the game to officiate it right and so anyway like it, but it's a beautiful part of the game because I actually think it explains everything you need to know about the game, which is sometimes it just so doesn't random. make sense and it all just- goes wrong. So <laughs> what what you're trying to do is get the ball through the goals, clearly. We've established that or at least close to your goals. Right. But in order to do that, you have to travel with the ball towards the goals in some way. So here are the ways you can travel towards the goals. You can just grab the ball and you can run. But if once you've run 10 metres, I mean, I think it's 15 metres, but like once you've run about 10 metres, you have amount. to bounce the ball. So you, you have, have to push, yes, you have to bounce the ball and catch it to continue to be able to run. You can do that in the motion of running, but every 10 metres or so, it's a... You have to is, dribble. 
Yeah, you have to just yeah. bounce it. Yeah. Yeah. But here's where this game becomes all about the interpretations of the umpires. Because the umpires are just taking a guess at that on the on the spot. Like there's there no is grid. No, there's no yeah, grid. No, there's no rhyme or reason. And sometimes it's eight meters and sometimes it's twenty-five meters. <laughs> and like this is where if you're trying to understand the consistency in the game, you've got to give up on that because right. it's more the vibe. It's the right. vibe of Right. Take a couple of steps don't, and then yeah. bounce it. Don't be a yeah. jerk about it. Bounce yeah. the ball. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes people will bounce it up to three steps. Like it makes no sense. Like if yeah. you're trying to get it to make sense, just you know don't. that so, you, you know that at some stage you do have to bounce it. If you yes. don't, they will take the ball off you and give it to your opposition. Okay. So uh, if you're not just running with the ball, then you have to dispose of the ball, get it to an opponent, so uh, to a, a, a teammate. So there are two ways you can do that. You can either kick the ball. Um, okay. Or you could handball the ball. Now, you can't throw the ball. You can't pass the ball. No. You can't you have to, pitch it. You can't throw no. it. You have to handball it. Yes. Now, handball means that you have to place the ball on one hand and then with a closed fist with your other hand, you have to punch the ball off the other hand. So that oh, is the volleyball. So can, yeah, a kind of volleyball style, okay. I guess. But like, yeah, like a, I guess if you were, yeah, uh, serving in volleyball yeah. and it was an underhand serve, not a yep. overhead serve. You, um, can then, you overhand punch it or no? You're not really meant to throw it between your hand and the fist. It's meant <laughs> to be the fist. Oh, but, placed. Yes. But here's what I will say. If you watch the game, sometimes it's so fast and they're in the middle of a pack, they will throw it. And yeah. and often the b- ball doesn't quite connect with the hand or the foot. But by the strictest nature of the law, you're, you know, when you drop the ball, you're meant to kick it. When you handball, you're meant to handball it off your hand. Now, right. again, this is where it gets to the idea of if they paid every time a free kick, every time they broke that law in the game, the game would not be played the way the game is played. They – they let you right. very much like they let you go a couple of kilometers over the speed limit for the sake of you know <laughs> keeping right, the you, traffic flowing. We're, we're trying to we're trying to play yeah. a game here. It's yeah. fine. Close <laughs> yeah, enough. Close yeah, enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, we took this margin into account because we knew that people <laughs> would go a couple over. You're still in the acceptable margin of what is safe in this circumstance, right? That is awesome. Because you know from their point of view, and that's how the game's played. It's meant to be played. And if you are the person who will get frustrated by the umpires not calling every Oh um, yeah, this game can't possibly be this for is you. not a game for you. And unfortunately there's a lot of people who support the game who do support it like that. Oh, and, and are ga- driven mad? Yes. And the game has brought in a lot of technology along the goal line and these things like other sports have to try and you know Right, to try to call it somehow. But, you, but it's a it's a game. For the rest of the game, you can't call most of the decisions. It's a loosey-goosey moment. I mean, there is literally – so around the ground, you've got like a line around the oval, and if it goes over that line, so if the ball is kicked or hand-passed over that line, the umpire makes an assessment. And this is where I love this because this is – now this is just what they think about whether that ball was put over the line – uh, deliberately or not deliberately, whether it was a mistake what? or whether they deliberately, <laughs> that, the umpire now makes 
That assessment, that... they they read the mind of the players <laughs> in the moment. And then what, what happens in those two instances? So if it is deliberately over, that is a turnover, the opposition gets the ball back and that's so. But if it is okay. non-deliberately, if it's accidentally, if they didn't, if they made a sufficient attempt, the law is actually called insufficient attempt. So okay. if they made an insufficient attempt to keep the ball in play, and uh, so what happens in that case is there's boundary umpires. So they run along the boundary during the entire game and what they do now is something that will be seem even more ridiculous than the bouncing of the ball to commence the game in the first place, which is they will stand on the boundary line, the oval boundary line, they will turn their back to the play and then they will throw the ball over their heads as far as they can throw the ball over their heads. <laughs> they just whip it back into the field at yes. anyone. And then well, everybody else kind of jockeys around trying to. That's uh, certainly what it looks like. What in actuality takes place is much like the bounce of the ball at the start, there are two, the two tallest players on each team usually uh, play a position called Ruck. And Ruck okay. is the person who, who is responsible for the majority of the engagements of, of these kinds. So they're called okay. ruck jewels. And so whether it's being thrown in from the boundary or thrown up after a stop of play around the ground, traditionally it's these two ruckmen. Technically anyone can contest the ruck as long as it's just two people. But okay. traditionally it is these players who play this position, ruck, who contest these. And then they try to knock the ball and get the ball to their teammates who, yes, then take off with it and, yeah. Okay, so when so here's the next thing. So yes. <laughs> give it to the opposition. You said, uh, yes. how, is that usually how they give it to the? No, that's that's if there's been trouble. How do you give it to the opposition if there's been some sort of? I don't want to use the word foul because there doesn't mm. seem to be a lot of fouling going on. But um, no, you no, said no. sometimes so it, it, there's turnover yeah. and there's so they there's give it plenty, to the there's plenty of ways to get the ball turned over. So the first one is as simple as an incorrect disposal, like kicking an oval ball is not precise. And so often it, it is just the fact that somebody tried to get it to somebody and it like didn't go to them. It went to somebody else. Right. So there is that. But you are able to tackle the player who has the ball and you can tackle the player who has the ball from any direction. So what? like the minute you get the ball, you are fair game. As long as the person <laughs> tackles you between the uh, waist and the shoulders and okay. they, they, they have a duty to protect your head. So okay. uh, the game is not played with helmets. No, obviously. it is not. You and, were wearing shorts and a sleeveless yeah. T-shirt and cleats. Oh, yeah, we didn't really – I was going to say, we didn't really mention this, did we? So we should talk about what they're wearing, which is it very is short shorts. It is one of the shorts. reasons so. I got interested in the game because I was like, this is a pile of enormously handsome young men <laughs> who are just playing kill the guy with the ball. You and, know what? Yeah. We've, we've missed a lot of the pageantry. Uh, maybe we should <laughs> – Maybe we should just like for a little break in the rules while people sure. are digesting what we've learned so far. <laughs> Let's go back and talk about, yes, some of the, the fun. of So firstly, all the teams, yes, they wear what we call like a jumper or a Guernsey, a jersey in some places in Australia. Um, but, yes, usually sleeveless. You can wear long sleeves. Okay. Um, and on cold days or wet days because the game is played 
outdoors and indoors. Right. Um, so sometimes it can be weather affected and it's not stopped for bad weather, like it plays through bad weather. Um, then people sometimes will wear the the, the longer sleeve jerseys. But in general, it's played uh, with men pl- wearing like these slo- – and quite by American standards, but, but really – and in the old days even used to be smaller shorts, like quite right. – High and tight shorts, long socks that people wear either pulled up long or down because there's no shin guards unless you're a ruckman. The ruckman do tend to wear shin guards because they <laughs> clash against each other a lot. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, this is a game about speed and agility. So the less padding that people wear, the better. So they're not like wearing a jock for protection or um, some of Wait, m- they're not like, even wearing a jock strap? No, lots to wear. To your knowledge? Okay, like no, a cup. lots wear like a speedo, like underneath, like you know, just okay, to keep, just to keep, keep, keep things it close. from not flopping out. Like right, although right. there have been historic occasions of definitely it flopping out. Like that is not <laughs> not a thing that has not happened. So, <laughs> and, I'm, and it turns out everyone is a nine year old, and you're like, ah, there's his penis. I mean, uh, it's, okay. it is a fun bit to just go. Yeah. It's rare that you're watching someone at work and then their yeah. penis just pops out. <laughs> <laughs> it is so true. Okay. Um, so there is a pageantry to it. So some of this is very old school and seems quite foreign to those who – so the players at the start, when they run out onto the ground, run through a – what crepe used paper. to be a yeah, crepe paper banner yeah. that has been put together by the supporters. Now these are – I need to point out to people – It was This neat. game – the last two, just literally the two nights before we're talking, it's you know we, the first week of the finals. But there were two games at the MCG in Melbourne that both had over ninety three thousand people at each of those games, right? And it was raining. Yeah. People were oh out in the cold. Like this is a very big, popular, popular. sport yes. in Australia, right? Like I, I yeah, went club- to one game. Yeah, in, in the in in Melbourne at, at that stadium, and I got a pie. And everyone yeah. was like, don't get the pie there. The no. pie there's not good. And I was like, no. all pie is good. Stop talking. <laughs> and uh, so. Um, what did you think after the pie? Did you still uh, have the same opinion? I like, I, there's good pie. There's good pie. You, uh, all of Australia, if you ever go to Australia, people uh, know that even the triangle sandwiches at the gas station are better than any sandwich you've had in the United States uh, at any sort of comparable. <laughs> even the triangle sandwiches that are mass produced, they aren't. Somehow they're fresher than whatever. It's because you guys are all spread out. And uh, so the, the food is made fresher and more locally. It's delicious. Okay. Uh, so, yes, yeah. they run through these banners that yes. the supporters put together. They used to be made out of crepe paper. These days I think the, they might be a little bit more advanced in their oh. technology and they, the players used to have to burst through the crepe paper. Now they've provided sort of flaps where they you know, oh. kind of burst through but they've <laughs> kind of been pre-ripped. You know, they've pre-opened the, yeah. the banner for them. Well, because there was a lot of famous incidents of players <laughs> charging into or... these banners and not being able to get through and being like tripped oh, over and hurt <laughs> just as I was about to start a game because <laughs> somebody's put on an extra layer of crepe paper. <laughs> We're going to need that guy. So we'll keep the pageantry. We're going to make it a little safer. And okay, fair enough. On these banners are often like a motivational saying or a little poem that the yeah. supporter group has put together. There has been eras of little where they got comedians to write them, but that's a, 
it's a little bit like it's a family event and yes. like it's a good it's a place for some good natured humor not for like you know you don't want comedians involved it's yeah, just I get yeah that. it gets yeah. a little too sharp right like it seems yes. like a good idea but actually <laughs> the fact that the poems or the little taunts aren't professionally written is actually the charm of them yes so, what about the song yes okay so great okay isn't there a song for so, each team or yes. am I each wrong? Team, no, no, no. Each oh. team has a team song. <laughs> the, 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 they <laughs> and the supporters all sing at the end of the game. So one of – this is the big moment in AFL. So when you win, your team song plays and everybody at the ground sings the team song. Okay. And then the players go down into the rooms and they like stand around in a circle and they all sing the team song with the coaches and like, you know, with, right. and to each other. And there is a tradition now that a player who's playing in their first win gets in the middle of that circle and they all shower them with sports energy drinks. Okay. It feels like something else is going on there. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> a lot of young men with some unresolved. Yeah. Like, right, right. Just like, might be some hazing. It might yeah, be I some sort of, I don't know. Yeah. It's very you, ritualistic. Let's, but Let's not define it. Yeah, let's but just, they sing a song and a lot yeah. of them absolutely sound ridiculous by modern day standards because they're, you know, these shanty style songs from, you know, from 100, 100 plus years, years ago. Yeah. But because they are in modern day still, like they are, they they're traditional to us, but sound quite ridiculous to anyone right. who is viewing them for the first time. <laughs> they're like, "What just happened? Did I just yeah. step through a time machine to like? Are we about to go?" And like it feels. I remember once I was in rural because I waited that rural tour, and waltzing Matilda was actually playing down in the in the in the village and we were at a theater that was up on a hill and i could hear waltzing matilda float up this hill and i was like this is almost spooky like brigadoon spooky like i thought that i was gonna you know walk in and it was gonna be you know dancing with soldiers who were off to gallipoli and i was like no no oh this is i wanted to tear up it was incredibly like moving and so good work pr uh but not because it's all super sincere i mean that's one of the great things about it the Hawthorne Hawks, which is the team cap you have on, who are one of the most successful modern day clubs, um, their song, I can never actually remember every word of it because weirdly enough, I have an AFL adjacent podcast called Two Guys, One Cup. And the reason it's called Two Guys, One Cup is because both of my friend Charlie and I, our teams had only ever won the Premiership Cup once. That was the point of the thing, right? And in the first year we did the podcast, my team won for the second ever time and really screwed up the name of the podcast. (laughs) And we've been living with that for a very long time since. But we call it an AFL adjacent podcast because we like to talk about things that are, you know, like around the game, Not we're not experts in the game. But Hawthorne's club song, like it's so charming when you think about it through modern eyes because it's like um, we're a happy team at Hawthorne. We're, and I, for people, I can't sing, but so people get the vibe of it. It's like yeah. we're a happy team at Hawthorne. We're the mighty fighting Hawks. We love our club and we play to win. Riding the bumps with a grin at Hawthorne. Come <laughs> and you may find us. Like, nice yeah, that's work. That's how it's sung, yeah. right? Yeah. But like – 
with that old school sort of like, you know, and that I, old I'm here tune, to sell you that, medicine. <laughs> like, well, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just playing through. Yeah. What do you yeah. need? Knives yeah. sharpened? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and, and does everyone use that same tune? No, 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 no. Oh, my, there you go. Uh, what is in, your team? Uh, my team's the Western Bulldogs. They used to be called Footscrape. Uh, that was, and then, uh, so... Essentially, I have be- a bulldog's cat. I have a stack of. I think I do. Anyway, maybe not. Wait, I have so, an Adelaide so, hat and I have a Swans hat. So the Adelaide, so Sydney, Sydney Swans, like Adelaide, Adelaide Crows. I buried for used to be the Footscray Bulldogs and now the Western Bulldogs. And the reason for that was basically that um, Melbourne was the majority of the team, still is. It's a weirdly, if you looked at the competition and you went, oh, so like there's two teams in New South Wales, which is the most populous, you know, uh, state of Australia. You know, there's two teams out of Queensland, there's two teams out of Western Australia, there's two teams out of South Australia. Uh, they just approved a team out of Tasmania for to come into the competition. And then there's eight teams or whatever it is in in Melbourne. Because that's where the competition and the sport oh, wow. sort of originally grew out of. The AFL okay. grew out of the VFL, and the other states came on board. And so it's a, so there's this suburban competition that's in the middle of this national competition. And so, yeah. like you know, you, on the weekend you will have like well, it happened last night that Sydney were playing against Carlton, which is just a suburb of Melbourne. Right. You know, so. It's like the city of Sydney versus the suburb of Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> but right, so it, they're both huge football teams now, obviously. Right, right. But. Is Colton the Blues? The Blues, that, the Navy Blues. Uh, so theirs is, we are the Navy Blues. We are the good old <laughs> Navy Blues. We're nice work. the team that never lets you down. We're going, anyway, so that's uh, they have that old school. But it, it is, I mean, last night at the game, you know, there was 90,000 Carlton fans all singing that song together at the end of the game. Yeah. And there's a real communal joy to in it. that. So, yeah. so that's the pageantry around it, the team membership. It's one of the most uh, hugely – so the clubs, you know, you can buy a membership, a season's ticket membership to these clubs. And some of the biggest clubs have 100,000-plus members alone, oh, wow. let alone, you know, supporters. This is just mm. people who are paid up members of the club. So this is a hugely followed sport and an incredibly big business in Australia. But the game itself is – so we, we've we covered the scoring. You can tackle the other players. That, right. So that's, that is how you might get the ball off them, tackle them. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't dispo- dispose of the ball by handball or kick while being tackled, then – the ball gets turned over. There's a free okay. kick, and then they turn the ball over. And so, um, if, if it's a free kick, do the, does yes. the ump just does the umpire just hand it to the closest player? The umpire and go, blows the whistle, and so yep. the person who's earned the free kick, so is the person who gets the free kick. So, for example, the person who laid the tackle might be the person who got the free kick, or the person who was infringed against by an opposition player. So if somebody okay. hit them without the ball or above the head or below the, you know, like waist, yeah. then they might get the ball as an infringement. So the person who was either one who won the free kick or was infringed, who had the free kick. You know, Again, it's just an umpire call. Like yeah, the umpire they have just a goes- whistle. They have a whistle and they just <laughs> blow it when they feel like making a decision about something. And sometimes it all just gets bogged down because there's no – it all just gets trapped in the one place and then the umpire will just 
blow the whistle and he will throw the ball up in the air and the two ruckmen will try to bash it to somebody. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so how do you stop? Like if you stop, you stop by being tackled. Yes. How isn't there something where if you catch the ball, nobody can tackle you? That's right. So if somebody kicks it, if you just handball it to somebody, they need to dispose of that. There is no stop <laughs> right. in that situation. You know, you either need to run with it or kick it or handball it, but you have to do something. There's no, <laughs> you know, whereas if you kick the ball to somebody and they catch it on the full without it ever being touched by somebody else, as long as it goes over about 15 metres. And again, remember that rule I had before where it was always somewhere between 8 yeah. and 20 metres? Yeah, that yeah. also applies to this. To so, the big kick. All right. <laughs> some, some days the big kick is a very very short kick and some days <laughs> some days they say play on for a kick that really felt like it was definitely long enough but anyway <laughs> let's just throw that into the mix of things that will frustrate you if you think they're going to be consistent so right yeah. uh the ball is kicked approximately 15 meters let's say for the sake of the argument <laughs> but don't quote me on that and then if it is caught on the full by somebody that means that they get the opportunity to uh, stop the play, run back and assess, you know, what to do. Um, at that moment, there is somebody who is allowed to stand on the mark, which was the place the infringement was uh, committed and they can put their hands up in the air to try to get in the way. But essentially, the player is allowed to run back and, you know, dispose of the ball anywhere they want to. So that's the same when you've earned a free kick. That same rule sort of applies in that situation as well. Okay. So somebody can try to block that free kick, but – you get a free kick. Yeah, you get a free kick and then you can – That's. I mean, that's a good thing to get. And by the way, you can mark the ball, which is what we call catching the ball, mark the okay. ball. Uh, you can mark the ball while standing on somebody else's shoulders. So <laughs> one of the most spectacular parts of this game, if you ever want to see – just if you Google AFL high marks. So – Imagine somebody has kicked the ball into like a pack of players or just a one-on-one -on -one competition. The player, as long as they don't put their hands into the back of the person, is allowed to leap with their legs onto the shoulders of the player or players that are in front of them as long as they are in the attempt of trying to mark the ball out of the air. So you would, you, if the ball was going too high over where – the players were you would use the other players as a launching pad yeah. to get up higher and then i've mark never the seen ball. it with the like i haven't watched it in 10 yeah. years and it, mm -hmm. then it was all just like there would be someone i remember seeing this was the specky mcgee part of it yes. where right. someone would set their knee like they they would like bend their leg and another person would run towards them and launch themselves off of that person's leg into the sky uh, to well, this grab is the ball out of the, the point of Specky McGee, right? Like Specky Entire, is can they get on what the we're talking though? about. They call it, yes. Yeah. So you, if you, as long as you jump like up there and people can, they have the capacity to do it and they then ride up, grab the ball out of the air, that's called a Specky. Well, that's – well, you know, let's what, end it here while I go Google uh, <laughs> AFL high marks because yeah. that's insane. I need yeah. to see that. Oh, some I, of the, when you see the compilation of the greatest ones, yeah. you will. It's it's like nothing you will ever see in any other sport. That a player just in this three hundred and sixty degree game where players are running somewhere between. 
12 to 14 kilometers each a game, by the way, which is, right. I, don't, I, I don't, can't do the conversion, but right, like right. a lot. Like this is yeah. a lot for a player to be running, often at high speed while trying to kick an oval ball, mark an oval ball, <laughs> like be tackled 360 degrees from anywhere at any particular time. And then part of the game is that you can fly on onto someone's shoulders in order to get the ball. It is spectacular. Yeah, it genuinely is the thing that drew me to the game mm-hmm. when I didn't even know what I was watching. I was like, wait, did that guy just jump six yeah. feet into the sky mm-hmm. and grab a ball out of the sky, land clean, mm. and then always. just... <laughs> what? What? I said not always land clean. <laughs> no, not always right. No. I mean, if he, if he lands on another person, is there is there trouble there? I mean, like, for the person does, does he landed it, on. No, well, he has for no sure. Resp- but does that count? Or you have a responsibility to try and protect other players. But no, in order, to, as long as you're going for the ball, it's like, still a mark. Is, or and this is one of the things about like I mean, it, it can be a terribly destructive game for people. Like people can get severely hurt because you can be backing back into a p- bunch of players who are, you know, going forward. And as long as you've all got your eye on the ball, like there can be, often be like quite serious co- collisions of people and people can get really hurt in those circumstances. But you have a duty of care generally in the game now, like worldwide, how everyone's, I mean, obviously head trauma is a big yeah. issue in professional sports right. and it certainly is in AFL as well. So they take the duty to protect the head pretty seriously as much as they can in a, what is a like pretty physically taxing sport. But I will say this, like this is one of the things I love is if you looked at a list of AFL players, it looks less like if you looked at a list of, if you lined up the 18 to 20 AFL players that you would have in every game versus the, you know, the basketballers or the, um, uh, you know, professional footballers or soccer players that you would have, what you're going to see is it looks more like a um you know a fiction quest like you know like something Tolkien style like where you know it's like a whole bunch of players of different sizes and different uses and various skill sets like it's got a real and my axe sort of vibe to it yeah yeah a little dmd like a like a crew like a that's right yeah, okay. Like, you You're going to need a bard. You're going to need yeah. a thief. You're going to need there, a that's, wizard. That's yeah? very much that's what one of the great things about AFL that's sports amazing. that people of various sizes and shapes. I mean, you have to be pretty fit these days, but people of various sizes and shapes can play and excel at the game because there are so many ways to excel at the game. Like there is not one way that makes you a good AFL like Australian rules player there are so many different roles for different people and so on a good team what you tend to have is very much that you know vision quest sort of thing where we're like well we're gonna also need a wizard you know we'll need someone mercurial (laughs) we need somebody when we come up against something it's a boy band who can it's a it's a k-pop boy band everyone has to have a job uh that is outstanding i think i read something that said that the the players have definitely bulked up in the last 10 years like they're bigger than they used to be they're fitter in that way so if you went back to like the last century, like the greatest AFL player of all time is traditionally thought to be a guy called Lee Matthews and he played okay. for Hawthorne, the team okay. that you have the cap of right now. Yep. He was uh, yeah, I, he was also turned out a great coach. He's, you know, probably the most iconic legend of Australian football and I don't know – hang on now, I'm going to look up his uh, 
is uh, Lee Matthews um, because Lee Matthews, like, definitely wouldn't have been six feet tall. He was 178 centimeters. So I don't even know what that is in like. Well, everybody, that, you guys have the internet. Find out how yeah. tall that is. I think it's 12 hands. I got yeah. nothing. That's a horse. That's a freaking. <laughs> I don't think he was 12 hands. I take yeah. it all back. He is like, I mean, a, like a. Not a not big a, dude. He wouldn't. Yeah. Have, he was definitely, you know, fit in his own way for that time. That, that, but he didn't have an athlete's body traditionally. Was an incredibly skilled footballer. Some of the, you know, the modern day part of the game is, you know, fast and you know a lot of running. So there is a lot yeah. more athletes, traditional athletes in the game. But the it doesn't actually matter how fast you can run and how long you can run for if you can't kick the oval ball to somebody or through the main two sticks for the six points. So <laughs> there is still an element of you being able to be good at those skills of the game that equalizes those people with people yeah. who are, say, natural athletes. Here's here's my next question, which yeah. is what 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 are the what are the points spread end up being is it like a 15 to 15 kind of like do people score like 30 points or do they score a dozen points or is it just like a what is it yeah so like a good game of football you're aiming for like you know both teams to be scoring somewhere between sort of like total you know 80 to 100 like i mean teams can score over 200 points in a game like if you How kicked long a lot is of goals the game? okay so we didn't even explain that did we right. oh this will be That's fun okay so it's it's four quarters we play okay. four quarters and uh, the quarters start at being 20 minutes per quarter but uh, there is time on in the games. Okay. So, so which basically means that every time like play stops for any reason because we like to think of it as a free flowing game. So anytime the the game stops for whatever reason, you know, a free kick and injury, anything that stops the clock, that time is added on. So most quarters traditionally go between twenty five to thirty minutes per quarter. Wow. Um, but hours. can run as long as, you know, 35 minutes, depending on how much stop in play there was. Wow. So you play two quarters, they have a halftime break. So there's a you know, change of ends. They flip a coin at the start for which direction you're going to be going. You change ends at the end of every quarter. So that's how okay. they play it. Um, and so there's a major break at halftime where they go into the sheds and, you know, have an actual decent break and all that sort of stuff. But right. the, qu- the quarter time break is done on the ground. That was a shorter break. There is no timeouts or anything during the game. So it's a um, continuous interchange game. So um, it means that players can run off and run on at any time. You wow. don't have to wait for any particular oh, oh, for stop out. in play or okay. anything like that. But they just have to – one has to be off before the other can come on. So Got if it. there was ever more than 18 players on the ground at any time, the other team can actually call you know too many players on the ground and there's a penalty associated with that. Um, okay. There is also a penalty called the 50-metre penalty – which means that if you infringe and then infringe again, and the umpire decides you've in, you know you've talked back to the umpire, or it, like okay. they can assign a fifty meter penalty, so for okay. a second infringement, which means that they will take <laughs> the ball down the ground fifty fifty about meters. About 
50 meters because it is not a meters. grid. No, right. no, again, so they're, they're just near the, earlier, the, yeah. near the earlier thing I said about between 8 and 20, this yeah. also applies to the 50, which is often yeah. between 35 like, and 60. Yeah, we're just uh, – that looks about that looks about 50, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the start of the game, there is the – each after each goal, when the players reset in the middle of the ground, um, they have a thing called the 666 rule, which is means that we all just have to do a short prayer to the devil. No, um, <laughs> have you ever been to 668, the neighbor of the devil? Um, anyway, so. So I, the 666 rule means that the 18 players on the field, there's three zones on the field. And right, so they have to line up with six in each of the zones. And it's basically just a reset so that not everybody is in the same place. But right. those zones only apply for that moment. Like it's okay. it's not like netball or something where people have to be in their own zones for the game. Or, this is yeah, yeah. It seems enormously free for all. Yeah, so, no, it is. So it's a two-hour game, which is why there's a hundred points happening. Yeah, hundred plus points. But like yeah. a game, a game doesn't have to. Like I mean, you can have a very good like lower scoring game if the two teams fought a tough game and scored say fifty points or sixty points each. That wouldn't make it a bad game. It, right. But, Traditionally, a good game sort of like one team scored 100 points, the other team scored like 80, 90 points. Like that would be a good game. But teams can score over 200 points. You know, there's wow. like it's it, – there is no hard and fast rule about what right. makes a good game. But no, yes, no, I, normally I, between goals and behinds, it's kind of a 50-50-ish split. So they okay. get a get a goal or, and so bad kicking is bad football. That's – that's like a traditional thing. Often games are lost on people scoring more behinds than they did goals, like points. Okay. That's what – behinds is what we call points. Okay. Yes, and one And behinds points. are just the ones, the, yeah, the one-pointers the one as opposed yeah. to the six We call them behinds, yeah. Yeah, because you yeah, you lucked out. Fine. Yeah. And you got 90 of them. All yeah. right, whatever. <laughs> you weren't aiming for it, but all right. I mean, and, essentially, if you get six behinds, it adds up to a goal. Like, So behinds yeah. still do count. Right, and, they totally count, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever played? Have you ever played the game? Yeah, so I grew up loving football and, in fact, for a small period of my life, considered being a, a professional footballer was very glad that I didn't because and by the way that was not my decision <laughs> I need to point that out <laughs> I the was going to say you are yeah. a big guy but I don't know uh the I did not that, know that you were that a professional athlete that, yeah yes. the way that I said that really sounded like <laughs> I it had been solely in my hands to make you guys, the choice Will but, Anderson let's get it on the record could yeah. beat Serena Williams I don't yeah. know if you know this about him <laughs> yeah and, and AFL uh, football possibly <laughs> not even by the way <laughs> that's like you know what I love not even not like, not well right whatever i think about <laughs> anybody who ever says well i'm pretty good i think i could probably yeah. beat a girl i'm always uh, like no still a professional athlete yeah. still works out more than you do earl yeah anyway the, the so, fact that i have like followed this game and did play it for a very long time when i was younger i still think would not equip me to best Serena Williams, who, oh, right. if she, even if she did not understand the rules, <laughs> had just been run through them in the car on the way to the event. I still think probably I'd back Serena oh, wait, in that is situation. Is there a women's league? Yes. Do women so play AFL? Do, only, or do, uh, do they? Yeah. So only recently. So there's a, 
Australian soccer player, you know, world game football, the beautiful game. Uh, yeah. Her name's Samantha Kerr and her brother, Daniel, he played AFL football and Samantha wanted to be – she's widely regarded as one of the top couple of uh, women's soccer players in the world and uh, she – her dream was to play AFL football. Like she, her brother played AFL football and she wanted to and – there was no real pathway, but there has been a professional women's league. There is an AFLW. Okay. Now, and uh, it has been for six years, seven years. Um, so, so early days. It's in its early days, but it is rapidly getting better. All the professional teams now have a women's team. Uh, the league doesn't – it isn't as big and it doesn't play as many games and it is still in that awkward period between um, wanting But women it to are be- psyched. But women are just oh. like – I, well, I would like to play this game, please. Can I please play this game? Kind of. It's thing. always been a hugely followed game by women. AFL M. Okay. So, because that's what we're trying to also talk about the AFL now as AFL M and AFL W. So not oh, just okay. W being the idea that right, because, right, right, because AFL, mm-hmm. you know. Like, right, because if the right? default is – yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, Why not? It doesn't it, cost anything to call it AFLM. Anybody, AFL-M, anything, yes. Right? So, so yeah. AFLM and AFLW and all the AFLM teams now have AFLW teams. So, And the clubs, this year is the first year where there used to be this thing called the McClellan Trophy, which is for the club that finished, you know, like top of the ladder at the end of the season, right? So right. Um, it is now a combined point score – between the AFLW and M teams. So, like, that's oh, a big deal, right? That is a big that deal because it both... means that they have a vested interest. Right. The men's yes. club has a vested interest in boosting their women's club. Right. So, it's a genuine incentive. And, it, look, ah. it's, there's been struggles. It's been quite well supported and but also, you know, it's still in its infancy. It's, but it's right. in that perfect place at the moment where it's been a thing long enough that there are now girls, because people start playing the game and boys who start playing the game normally at around 18 or 19. We don't have like a college system where players go away and play for colleges and then, yeah, come oh, in just at like a bit older. Oh, straight to pro? Okay. High school, straight to playing in the AFL and often does happen like that. Like, okay. you know, the the one of the top five players in the AFL this year was a kid who's 20 years old. So, okay. like, you yeah. can you immediately come in and make some impact at the highest level. Like, so... Um, the women, you can see the ones who didn't have to stop playing when they were 12 because of the AFLW now, they yeah. are now turning 17 and 18. And oh. so you have this generation of girls who are becoming women who grew up always knowing that there was a pathway and being able to follow it straight through. They didn't have to pick it up again like the first right. generation of AFLW players. And they could keep training the whole time yeah. and then keep getting yeah, – So that'll, it will rapidly the advance the quality of the game. You can see how quickly it will come along. And it is already at a very entertaining level at its best. Like, you know, the best teams are already playing like, you know, genuinely fantastic you Fun, know, awesome games, yeah. So it's just one of those things where everyone just has to hold their nerve through the bits of it that still need to improve with the faith that it will. And, yes. like, I think as long as everybody has the faith that it's it will and it's worth it, which I think are both absolutely true things, yeah. then just hold the faith for the bits where it gets bumpy or something's not yeah. quite working or, you know, yeah. it's awkward and we have to, you know, make – that's just part of it. Right, 
Right. Fair enough. I actually, you know what? When I said that, I just watched an Australian TV show on Amazon Prime called Deathlock that made me laugh so hard. Mm-hmm. It was a it's a murder mystery show set yep. in Tasmania. That's right. And Written right, by the I don't two know why Kates. I'm telling you. Uh, no, you, you're telling your audience. You're oh, telling, that's right. You're talking that's right. to me to your audience. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because the, I it my mother-in-law lives with me. She mm. is a gay lady, 42 years with her partner who passed mm-hmm. away five years ago, and uh, we watched the first episode with our jaws just down, mm. going, "What the fuck is happening?" on this this show is amazing and uh it was just it was nuts but the, what i loved about the show besides how hilarious it was was um the 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 mystery was great you know it was a one season just so people know amazon yeah. prime i think it's on acorn or bread box and um yeah so it's, it's fantastic. just one mystery it's, yeah. it's written by a, a, a two people that Australian audiences are more familiar with. We call them the two Kates, Kate McCartney and uh, – oh, God, and now I'm having an absolute blank when I should have I should right. have known that. Well, there's um, no – yeah. Oh, man. It's, do you want to look um, it up? Hang it's on. I'm going to do that, yes, because I don't want to – Because I'll say it. this, is that um, I am looking forward to second – and uh, and I and I also was curious if they were if they were stand up comics. Yeah. So, so um, Kate McLennan was a stand up comedian, and she and well, they both kind of Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan are the two Kates, and like in Australia, they are definitely called the two Kates. The two Kates, yeah. And they have done a lot of work together. Really funny, like. You know, kind of sketchy, satirical, oh, yeah. but but also kind of adjacent to the comedy world. Sometimes live performance, sometimes stand up comedy, but definitely in that sort of more character based, you know, right, creating right. world based yeah. writing sort of stuff. And you can tell a little bit of that in this. It has some of that about it. It's it's yeah, it not does. a traditional like broad church. British murder mystery. It's got a heightened reality that is a heightened <laughs> yes. comedic reality, but it's also played not like like this is not Anchorman or something. Like it's not a parody of those sort of things. It's a comedic pl- take on a murder mystery, but the murder mystery they take seriously, like very seriously, it's structured so satisfyingly. And I'm not going to give anything away to people, but like. It is a satisfying structure that I think oh, – here's what I'll say. I'll take it away from this show, but you'll know what I mean by this when I say yeah. this to you, which is I think with those murder mysteries, what I want at the end of me watching one of those shows, any type of like, you know, Norwegian, British, like whatever murder mystery is, I want the person who did it, I when when it's revealed, I want to go, oh, of course. Like and it become obvious to me right. that they've been telling That's me the whole time that yes. it was going to be that person. I don't want it to be someone who I haven't seen. I don't want it to be someone who hasn't been part of the story. I want it to be someone who's been hiding in plain sight and you've told me enough times during it that it's definitely going to be not, that person. But yes. you've also done enough like other stuff that's made me not concentrate on the fact that you've been telling me that it's that person. And I then when you reveal that, it. Yeah. Yeah. I've I guessed, go, I guess three or four different people. Yeah. 
through the course of that thing. And I think I might have been right at one point. Yeah. But I think it like, you know, in a just in a because at one point, but I, I thought think that's the it could best, have been Jackie. any of it was that, the, the that was the, the best greatest. is that you think at some point you go. I did think at some point it was that person. Yes. And then I kind of moved on to somebody else because the show right. told me to. And right. but but then when it is that person, you're like, ah, yeah, of course. Okay, that, that makes sense. Right. That is such a great <laughs> summation of yeah. exactly that genre yeah. and how that yeah. genre should work. And yeah. I will say this, one of my favorite things about it was because we watch a lot of those murder mysteries because because mm. Chris really likes them. And I now am on board, my friends. Uh, but there is off often the evil lesbian is the murderer Mm -hmm. and who's gone crazy because of lesbianism. And what I liked about deadlock, there's so many lesbians that there's all the kinds of people, right? I'm not gay, but there's like smart gays. There's, I mean, this, this is, I mean, I just did a show in Wisconsin, my home state, and I do this joke about how I'm married to a man, and that's a bit of a reveal because people often think I'm gay, but not in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, right. they're like, no, no, that's what everyone's mom looks like, Jackie. They're straight. She's been getting some for decades. This is not, you are a straight lady. We knew that. And it's very <laughs> super funny because well, it's all different kinds on deadline. I yeah. agree with you. And, I mean, Kate McCartney is in a same-sex relationship. And okay. she, like, so they're – their kind of credibility in that community, a lot of their stuff like has been super popular in the sort of queer community. And I love the fact that they, they kind of play with that. They both make fun of it. And also thematically are obviously clearly like, you know, there's anyway, I I don't want to, but yeah. And, and it's like, what's with some, because some people are just bananas, whether they're straight or gay or, buy or whatever their jam That's, is i mean in, yeah. a, in the way it's the greatest of respect right like because yes. you're just going i'm just treating you like you are gay but I, or you are also like a you stock have, and beat with a with yeah. a different sausage case you get that's to a, be something yeah. else you get to be the bananas you as well as that right <laughs> like that's yes. not your only defining quality to right. us Right, you are also a very like the sanest person in that thing yes. is the cop, right. and you know she's <laughs> su- you know supposed, to, but her girlfriend is. Uh, I've met all of those people, is what I'm yes. saying. I've met even the the like the coroner. I've met all the men. I I am from a, a factory town in Wisconsin. I have met all those men, and I feel like Tasmania is full of those guys. Where you're like, oh yeah, those guys live. Those guys live a, a healthy, hearty life, and they go off and have a beer. Um, anyway, I have, but there was a kid in in Deadlock, and she was a woman. She was a young yes. woman who wanted to play uh, footy professionally, and that's how we got under this TV show. By the way, yes, but I mean, it's you. But even the fact that that can be now a plot line in a show like that—that that there is a pathway. This, yeah. These are the things that are the, are the immeasurables when you bring in something like the AFLW and you just try to judge it based on are enough people watching it on television yet or whatever, where you're like, yeah, maybe not if that's your only metric that you're measuring it by, but you've got to measure it by the cultural influence that is that, you know, yeah. the more it becomes part of the language and the just there normal. There will be. 
Mm-hmm. And then there is. It, it will come. You've just got to build it a little first. It'll be fine. I will buy hats. <laughs> uh, but I will be. Uh, by the way, I am talking to Will Anderson, Australian comic. Uh, has a bunch of podcasts, TV shows, uh, all the things, you guys. Will has one L. And Willosophy is W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y, Willosophy.com. If you Google these things, you will find them. Tofop, T-O-F as in Frank, O-P as in Paul. It'll also be in the notes. Um We've been talking for over an hour, Will, and I don't know what what have I not asked about about footy that I should have asked. Is there anything? I mean, I, I really do love the game. It's a it's incredible, and it's so. I mean, I love the game. I love the fact that you have all these hats because there are two probably two types of supporters, which I will say, which is there is the type of supporter who follows their team. You know, that's a right. way to follow sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, nothing wrong with that. And I certainly have my team and had great passion for my team. And yeah. I had gone my entire – so my team before they won the premiership in uh, uh, 2016, 2016, they, they were unlikely victors. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those surprise years where a team that shouldn't win wins. And my team had not played in the final, what we call the grand final, which is our Super Bowl. And – they had not played in the grand final since 1961. In fact, they'd only ever played in the grand wow. final twice in their 100-year history, 1954, 20 okay. years before I was born, uh, when they right. won their first premiership uh-huh. uh, and their only premiership for the majority of my lifetime. And then they played in a losing grand final to the Hawthorne Hawks in 1961. And so in the year 2016, uh, they won. Uh, they played in the first grand final of my lifetime. I was lucky enough to be there and watch them uh, play in that grand final. And um, yeah, and then since then they played in the grand final also in 2021, and they lost to the Melbourne Demons. So in my life, in the last few years, I've got to see my team play in the the grand final twice, which has been amazing. Seeing that I went the first 40 odd years of my life without seeing them ever play in the finals, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, so you got. I mean, when I bought all these hats, yeah. I was in. I was wearing this one, I think, and I went into a coffee shop, and the guy was like, "And I ordered my coffee," and he goes, "Oh, you're a fan of the. This is the greatest team." And I said, "No, I have like six hats. I just love the game." And he was like, "Well, that's actually good. I'm mm. glad you like the game." You know, he was like, he was clearly this team's. Fa- he was a fan of the Hawks, but he was psyched that I just liked the game. You know, and. And it's I, funny. And I, yeah. So, I mean, I love that because I love the game too. And this has been a realization that I had. So, Charlie and I started our football adjacent podcast in 2016. Right. And at the start, we honestly thought the, the, the show was going to be about the fact that we, the two of us supported these two teams that had never had any success and we would just talk about those teams. That's honestly thought what we thought it would be about. Okay. And while we both still follow our teams – Really, the show is less – I mean, we rarely talk about our own teams. That's – you know, we support our own teams, but the podcast right. is very much about football and our love of football and it's given us a great excuse to watch a lot more other games and, you know, have right. this – you know, to be more interested. I could right now for the 18 teams of the competition, like we're at the end of our season at the moment. Right. So I could tell you the predominant narrative around that team – for the entire season, for each of the 18 clubs in the competition because I follow the sport now. Like I follow right. each team's fortunes. I follow yeah. the game. I love 
the storylines of the game. You knew two other songs. You yeah. knew songs of other two teams. But each <laughs> so. season of AFL, I kind of view like a season of you know, Game of Thrones or one of these sort of things where you're looking at the various houses and each of these houses have traditionally had some sort of strengths or reputation. And okay. then you're, yeah, they're coming out this season to see they're all going to play the game. They're going to play the season and they're going to, you know, work like, you know, try to come up with a plan to, you know, kind of sit on the throne yeah. at the end of the season. And yeah. then it all starts again with the next season. And every team has storylines, whether they be injuries or intrigue or players that they've drafted in to help bolster them or, you know, people who are getting to the end of their careers or an end of a successful era and how is the team going to regenerate and they've got a new coach or they've got a, a coach who's about to be sacked or, you know, all these sort of things become the storylines and the plot lines of the season. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, my, my doctor has traditionally never mm. been sports. And so whenever I have someone talk about sports, it took me years to realize that one of the things that people really love about sports is watching incredible athletes do the thing that they're really good at. And then it's only recently that I've come into this part of it, the narrative part of it, where there is drama. There is, you don't know who's going to win. You don't know. And now there's another layer where there's all these characters and you get to know the different players and the coaches and the, and the adjacent, you know, like the, like you said, everybody, um, the Gary guy who is now a, a, a talking head about yeah. the game, everybody's still following that guy. Cause they still know that he played and whatever. So, and that's true of all sports. I bet. Uh, <laughs> but well, this is the only one. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, don't know if I would be interested in the game if it weren't for that. And in fact, like I follow the commentary around the game and the story of the game more intently than I follow the game. Like, you know, I'm more likely to be listening to like an expert commentator, you know, have a discussion about two teams who played in a game that I did not see. Like, okay. I, so. I yeah. follow the storylines more than I follow the sport. The sport is the excuse for the storylines. The sport creates yeah. the storylines. And I honestly believe that it's very hard to truly understand the sport. Like, yeah, you can watch it. Sure. But what, what are you going to get from that? Like, if you don't <laughs> understand, like, right, right. you can go, he was good at catching it. But, like, if you don't understand that he hasn't been good at catching it for the last three weeks and his confidence has been shot or the reason that he missed that goal from right in front was that he's had kicking troubles all season okay. and he hasn't managed to get his confidence back or this is his first time playing in this position for six months or, like, how do you understand, like, what the game is trying to tell you if you don't understand the storyline. How do you understand the pressure that's on, you know, the, the Carlton Navy Blues this season because they haven't played in a final for, like, their captain, you know, he's played 10 years of his career without ever, you know, playing in the finals. It's right. hard to understand the pressure that's on them at the end of the game if you yeah. don't understand the broader context of what what that means. This has been beautiful. Will Anderson, <laughs> this is really, I truly thank you. We're at like almost an hour 20. Thank you. So uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the Dork Forest. Uh, as always, uh, yes, the second Jackie, time. And Jackie, you're going to do my podcast philosophy. So we're sure. going to make a date for that. And But this is a good place to plug it because it's your podcast. And right. people who like, like you. Yeah. 
should like, come would and probably like to Rory come and listen Kilmartin to you. Rory Kilmartin did Willosophy too, yes. right? Go did, and listen did, to that. It's a great episode. Did Bamford do it? Did, has Maria done it yet? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, she should totally do it. Yeah, uh, because um, the uh, she has a new book out and a new album, and um, and and she is beloved in Australia. I met a guy from Adelaide, and she lived in Adelaide for a year. Yes, because she dated a clown. I remember. And that guy said, "We still talk about that." Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's hilarious. Good for you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, of course Maria yeah. is beloved in Australia because like I think uh, firstly she came out early, right? Like she was yeah. out in Australia early, but she lived there for a while. Like I think people yeah. remember that very fondly and Australians love a little like, you know, Australian connection. We love nothing more than a little Australian connection. Exactly. And it- but also, you know, she's brilliant at what she does. So that's and she's, a, yeah, she's the <laughs> That's best. a good reason. So that's always awesome. Another good reason. Maria Bamford, a delight. Uh, Will Anderson, a delight as well. Thank and you. I am going to say what I always say at the end of the show, which is, Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?